The year is 1984. Molecular biologist Alec Jeffries develops DNA fingerprint testing. The Detroit Tigers start their season 35-5 and and win their first World Series since 1968, and they haven't won since. Detective Axel Foley is also in Detroit when a buddy from Beverly Hills comes to pay him a fateful visit. Welcome everybody to the Last Action Podcast. I am the Sphinx, and with me, as always, my partner in crime, LPJ. Hey, Sphinx. What's going on? We're here. We're 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 talking about a fantastic movie today. Yes, we are. One of a hometown favorite. Yes, for sure. Yep, without a doubt. And we have a special guest with us today. It is my brother Tony. Tony, well, how are you? Hello, all. <laughs> how how are you doing? I'm doing great, actually. Excited to be here. A little nervous, but hey, yeah, it's fun. There so you go. You, you've already your intro is already better than a couple of our guests. All right. Yeah. So you're you're good. You're already starting off on the on the right foot. That's, That's true. That's what I like to hear. It's true. So Tony actually picked this film, which yep. which when it was picked, I was not surprised one bit. Um, the film we are doing, we didn't even mention it yet. It is Beverly Hills Cop. So 1984 it came out in December, I believe. I believe you're correct. Yeah, and it December was. 5th. Thank you. Mm-hmm. And Paramount Pictures was responsible for it. You know, one quick thing off the bat though. The title, Beverly Hills Cop. Yeah, I was going to bring this up too. Right? Like, Axel Foley is not a Beverly Hills Cop. No, in fact, the only time it's mentioned is when Axel is introducing Rosewood to Jenny. Mm-hmm. And he says, this is my friend, this is, this is Detective Rosewood, he's a Beverly Hills Cop. Yeah. Know? Insinuating that the movie is about Rosewood. Exactly. But it's not. No. At all. It's all his detective work in California. In Beverly Hills. That's true. He does all the detective work for well, the most part in, well, in Beverly Hills, but he himself is not a well, cop. Yeah, you know, know Tiger and Rosewood, they're, they're both kind of putzes in the film. I mean, Tiger and Rosewood, absolutely. You know. Although, I, although t- Rosewood has, over the course of the movies, I would say the biggest change. Oh, yeah. Yeah, because like he seems like a rookie in he the does, beginning yeah. of this movie. He's, oh, well, absolutely. He absolutely. He's, yeah, he's, he's, he's very. very paired, paired with the wily old veteran Taggart. That's right. Exactly. Sergeant. Yeah, and then by the end, you know, he ends up being, what was that little the group in Beverly Hills Cop 3, J.G. Jijo C or whatever, they make fun of that. Like he's oh, like, I don't remember. Yeah, he like takes over like all the jurisdictions of everything and all yeah. that. Oh, yes, and that was in the in the last one. Yeah, in the last yeah. one. Which, yeah, he's the big shot. He's the yeah, big shot. He's the big one. shot. Yeah. Which, I, they always talk about rumors for a fourth Beverly Hills Cop, but is there actually one in the works finally or no? Uh, Do you know? They did a TV show, and they did a pilot for a TV show, and it didn't get picked up, but they liked it enough to where they greenlit a movie. Um, and initially, Eddie Murphy was going to reprise his role, but he's since dropped out. Mm. So I don't know. I, I assume it's stalled at this point. Yeah. I think it's probably a good thing. 
Yeah, being this far removed, I mean, we've obviously seen in history that a lot of these re- never redos or bring no, them back franchises don't well, go well. Honestly, no. between the, th- the between the second and the third one was seven years, and I thought that was too much. See, I love the third one, but we don't need to, to get into all that. But well, let's let's talk about the first one. Yeah, exactly. Which so Tony, we you know we, we usually ask our guests guests. I can't talk. Um, why you chose this movie? So well, I'm curious. Well, for me, this was this was pretty easy. This arguably the film I've seen the most, um, as, especially the most as a, as a youth. I know that sounds weird. It's probably <laughs> not to us. <laughs> okay, all right. So <laughs> not at all. Yeah. So it's it's not normal that you know your average seven year old could recite line for line of this movie. Not necessarily. I would you know call appropriate maybe for the age but uh <laughs> but hey i i don't know what it was i think you know f- seeing it for the first time in that opening scene uh, arguably i think one of the coolest opening scenes in, in movies of, i mean not all time is pretty drastic right there but i mean just uh the car chase or the the truck driving through the city yeah i mean it's just very I- iconic to me maybe as a detroiter you know, I find yeah. that to be very iconic. You know, the the time setting, the the people out in the street trying to really grasp the temperature of what's going on in the city, and then having this cig- uh, hijacked cigarette truck just literally destroy everything in its path. Yeah. Um, and that's probably why I loved it. It's such. A, I mean, it's a. I'm a kid. It's a truck running into other things. That I did that on a daily basis on my on my hands and knees crashing cars together. So yeah. and and I I do want to I'm gonna we'll get back to our experiences, but I want to talk about that scene because, like, if you look at that scene, they are really crashing a big <laughs> oh, ass yeah. truck into cars. <laughs> yes, this was before you know the special effects movement. This was really, you know, precision drivers. Yeah, uh, flipping around city buses, uh, smashing cars to bits and pieces. I couldn't believe it. Like I. It yeah, the, the CGI mind. isn't there yet. No, no. for for a movie like this. But it, anyway. like the amount of the amount of destruction, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. like it was real visceral cars breaking destruction. It was really awesome. I, I forgot about that part. I, I yeah. that was it. The movie starts off, and I have a huge smile on my face. Yeah, I yeah. had a smile on my face through this entire <laughs> movie. So I, I'm surprised you didn't mention it, but I, I'll bring it up. So there, there's a famous story with with my brother here when it comes to this movie. You didn't so, like you didn't go blackface and like and no, act out, no, pretend you're Anne no. Foley. No. Okay. So go. Sure. so there's some more family lineage to this. I was gonna leave out, but I think <laughs> no. It makes, this is a perfect story. This right. is a great story. All right. So okay, like I said, I've seen this movie several times. I reenacted it. I knew all the lines, and I. And playing at my grandmother's and grandfather's house um, with some trucks. And the line comes out, let's get the fuck out of here. (laughs) (laughs) Out of someone's mouth that had no business saying, let's get the fuck out of here. Like five years old, probably. Six years old. I'm going to go with, yeah, (laughs) five, six, way too, way too young. Yeah. Well, how old are you right now? Uh, 36. Oh, okay. So 30 years ago, let's get the fuck out of (laughs) here. Yeah. And my grandmother gives my grandfather this look, <laughs> and my grandfather gives the look right back and states, did he just say, get the fuck out of here? <laughs> and my grandma, you know, of course goes to bed. No, no, no. He said, let's get the truck out of here. <laughs> yeah, truck and fuck. Grandma's saving my ass. 
That's funny. Yeah. That's real good. Yeah. It's a solid story there. And, and then I think, of course, after that, there was probably a talk with my father at some point about where he learned, let's get the fuck out of here. But, Mind you, our father is a truck driver, too. So as good as Beverly Hills Cop is and offering our vocabulary, um, uh, I'm sure my father yeah, greatly that, increased our vocabulary as well. Well, that's the Just whole from thing. driving in the car. Well, gosh, I mean, let's be real. Uh, we were exposed to a, a whole vocabulary <laughs> set that most... Uh, Eight to ten year olds, we're ahead of the curve. Let's oh, I would imagine. Yeah, 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 yeah. And so, like for me, you know, my my remembrance of this movie is, um, I think Dad recorded either off a pay per view or HBO. Oh, and yeah. so I know it was watching it with you because VHS. you watched it all yeah, the time. Yeah, we. I mean, also VHS. I would also, you know, four or five year old Sphinx like, oh, what's on TV? All right, I'll watch this too. Yeah. So just a few years down the road, I get the same experience of hearing fuck this and fuck oh, that course. while I mean, the movie's going on. Yeah, so I'm, you know, 10 years old and you're six years old and we're watching it together, you know, Indian style in front of the TV <laughs> yeah. and like it was fucking Looney Tunes. Yeah. You know. so. That's no, I had a very similar experience. Sphinx and I have talked about this a bunch of times. My dad, we were one of the first one of the first houses in our neighborhood to have cable and have HBO. So my dad would record movie after movie and we had we probably had 50 cassettes just filled with movies he recorded off of HBO cool. and Showtime and Cinemax and all that stuff. And Beverly Hills Cop 1 and 2 were on together on one, one VHS. Mm-hmm. And so I would watch them sometimes back to back. And I would say 2 is the one I've seen the most of these two movies. Uh, but I've seen this one quite a few times. And I was probably, you know, I was probably 8 or yeah. 9 when I saw it. Just because I'm a couple years older than you guys. So, yeah. Uh, yeah and, and yeah, I've seen it a ton of times. And, and exact same thing. 2 is better. See, I... <laughs> I don't know. I, I like them both. It, they're, I think the comedy in two, more comedy in two, more action in one. Yeah, I, would I think agree the, that. I think the plot's better in two. Probably, I would say maybe it's more of an intense plot. You know, the the first one's kind of more of a revenge type of deal than anything else. I feel right. Whereas the second one, there's actually well, I guess well, two's kind of revenge two's too. Cause, revenge, cause, cause, cause Bogomil no. shot Ex- absolutely. Yeah. So, so there's some lineage behind it as yeah. far as the story. I think is deeper in two because those that watched one. Yeah, because you have the history of what what happened. Correct. In the first one. Where, where first one, obviously, you know, it's his buddy Mikey coming back from some deeds he shouldn't have done out there in sunny California and gets yeah. gets fucking killed and going with the second one too kind of what was just brought up too like you you know the relationship between the three of them with taggart and and rosewood and that relationship just grows stronger in the second film or i kind of felt like in this one i kind of did question like how trustworthy they were of axel so quickly oh like it was a great relationship i don't think they were either no 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 when you keep but but they let him go through things you know they let him get away with things more well, so than I well, would have thought. I think it was more uh, more of a situation where they knew they couldn't contain him, so they might as well just right. follow him and hang with him, just so they can kind of keep a closer eye on him. I agree. They played him soft, and he, he made him pay for it. But that's where they're able to build the relationship, yeah. right? Yeah. So I mean, I think it was, you know, was was well thought. Yeah. So. Um, before we get even deeper into the movie, you know, we're, we're kind of bouncing around, which is fine. Uh, the film is directed by Martin Best. Martin Brest. Is it Brest? Yes. The Best Brest? Uh, apparently, I only wrote Best. <laughs> <laughs> 
Anyway. That's pressed. He was working on war games a year prior to this and yeah. actually got fired from war games. So apparently they say he was only maybe like two weeks in on filming that and there was just creative differences and, and he stepped away. Um, he thought his career was over as a director. He thought he was damaged goods based on getting fired for that movie. But, you know, uh, Don Simpson and, and Jerry Brockheimer um, go ahead and bring him on. And the rest of his career, though, is a little is kind of back and forth yeah. here. So I've got on here. He did uh, Midnight Run, which I, I'm trying to remember who was in that crap. Midnight Run that was with um, I just uh, saw it uh, today. Um, not the movie. I just looked up looked it up today. Is it Al Pacino? Am I thinking? No, no. that's Son of a Woman, which he did. Right, he did which Son was of a big woman. one. It doesn't matter. It doesn't Keep matter. Uh, Meet Joe Black, which I believe is Brad Pitt, if I remember right. Yep. And what really kind of ruined his career was he did that, is it Geely? Geely. Geely movie that was Ben Affleck and J-Lo yeah. that they claim is oh one my. of the worst movies ever. Well, that, that, just, that was him. That just sounds bad. <laughs> yeah, that was when they were a thing, right? I yeah, think I believe so. so yeah. yeah. So they're just trying to find a director that'll let them be together on screen. Pretty much. I, I, I never saw it. Yeah. So, but that's pretty much been the end of him. Fortunately, this is not a podcast where that movie's going to come. Out. <laughs> no, not so much. I have to say, I've never heard of it. Um, as for the production of this movie, I kind of got deferring stories. Did you do any look on this LPJ? Yeah, I did about how it kind of came about. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I heard of there. There's two separate people that have their own twist on how this movie came to be yeah i know of the 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 from from what i was reading uh it was the story was originally pitched in 1977 uh about a cop uh in beverly hills Mm -hmm. uh going to east la to actually do some work uh and that eventually was given to a writer to do i think jerry simpson actually was the one who came up with the idea don simpson or don simpson i'm sorry and yeah, so that you're right. 1977, that was kind of the idea there. He ended up having uh, Danilo Bach uh, work on a script, but then I also found out Michael Eisner takes credit for this as well. But he dates it back to 1975 that he just came up with this idea all on his own, and and then brought someone in. I don't think it was Bach to to kind of hone in a little bit more on the details, but, but I definitely saw more about Simpson's story than yeah, I did about Eisner's. Between the two, I would believe Simpson more than Eisner, just because Eisner has a tendency to be full of shit. So. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, so, but this is like in the late 70s. You know, the movie it comes out in 84. So by 1981, uh, there was a newer version, an updated version of this movie that he was going to be from Pittsburgh, and then he was going to go to Beverly Hills, and the movie was going to be called Beverly Drive. Um, that was, and his name was going to be like Ali Axel or something yeah, weird like that. Allie they had some Axel. goofy names, and, and it then, was a straight up action film. Yeah, exactly. And then in '83, it got brought back into play. So '81 script didn't really go anywhere. '83, they're looking back into it again. They're like, "All right, we're going to make this happen." And but in '83, they brought in Danielle Petrie to help That's, rewrite the script. You mean Daniel? Daniel, what did I say? You said Dan- Danielle. Dan- oh, Dan- I can't. I, I clearly cannot read any of my notes today. Clearly not. It's good, Daniel Petrie Good Jr. star. Thank I you. I had no idea that this thing started back in the oh, late right? 70s. Oh, yeah. It had been kicking around for a long time, and it went through a lot of different versions. Um, like, at one point, 
Stallone took over. Yeah. And Stallone wrote oh rewrote the whole so thing. This, this thing had to cost a court a fortune if it was like written no, and actually rewritten. It was really, and, well, it was getting written and time, rewritten, but there was nothing in stone yet right. to turn into a movie. And at the so, time Stallone was wasn't Stallone wasn't like Stallone was big, but he wasn't like Stallone big at the time. So when wow. he rewrote it, he was rewriting the movie for himself. And uh he basically wrote Cobra, the movie Cobra. Yeah. And placed it into Beverly Hills Cop, and then he left the picture because he didn't. He just for creative differences, and ended up taking all of his ideas and creating the movie Cobra based on those ideas. Okay, yeah. So the character's name was Axel Cobretti, <laughs> yeah. And he changed it obviously for Cobra, but and he had Billy Rosewood dead halfway through the movie. Yep. Um, Mikey was supposed to be his brother. And okay. he was supposed to fall in love with Jenny. Right. Which none I of that happens that. either. I could see that. Yeah. And then there was supposed to be a final deal where the final scene, he was supposed to steal a Lamborghini and was going to play chicken with a freight train. My goodness. Yeah. I'm, yeah. So this would have been, yeah, it a, would not have com- been comedy it involved. It would have been a well. complete shit show. Yeah. It would yeah. have been insane. And actually, that's what Paramount decided, too, is, is they're like, this movie's going to be so fucking expensive to make that they were kind of happy when Stallone's like, yeah, I'm going to take this to my own. Yep. Because well, that's not what they were looking for. Because the movie itself, uh, they only had a $15 million budget. Yeah, which, it was which, not a lot. Yeah, which is not a lot for that time. But it made a ton of money. Oh, my God. It made a ton of money. It, it, it had to fucking print money. Yeah, it was the the number one grossing film in the U.S. in 84. I had no idea it would be number one. What, and what? then it was number two globally. That didn't quite come out there. Quiz, hot shot. The volume Boom. Side. Yeah, good work. So I, I, I do a pop quiz. All right. So you're right. This was uh, open at number one. Mm-hmm. This was the first of several Eddie Murphy's to, Eddie Murphy movies to open number one in the box office in a row. Mm-hmm. He had a string of movies. I believe it. How many movies in a row did he have open at number one? At number one? Ooh. You can go first because I right. know the answer. Oh, you do? <laughs> okay. Well, I'm going to say... Six. Oh, you're close. It's seven. It's seven. It's Beverly Hills Cop, followed by The Golden Child, Beverly Hills Cop 2. Which we talked about Golden Child. We did. That was when we did did, uh, Terminator? No, No. Big Big Trouble in Little China. Big Trouble in Little China. Yep. Uh, Coming to America, Harlem Nights, Another 48 Hours, and Boomerang. The dude dominates the 80s. Well, that's it. Right? And that's what also makes this movie so big is, is, you know, he's just coming off of SNL. Well, that's it. You know, he's a he's a headliner comedian playing in an action film. And that's why I'm curious to see, like, through all that research, like, how much involvement did Eddie have in the production to change this film? Like, well, he ha- actually, I don't have a pop quiz for this, <laughs> but um, almost all of the comedy between him and Taggart and Rosewood was improvised with the three of them because the three of them were actually good improvisers. I could see that. So that yeah. scene where um, that scene where he's telling him the story, where he's telling Bogomil the story of how they stopped the uh, how they stopped the potential uh, robbers in the strip club oh, yes. was all improvised on the spot, and that's why you can. That's why. Um, Taggart's sitting there with his face down, holding because he's he's trying not to laugh, right? Because the whole thing is improvised on the spot between the three of them, and, and that's and that's the best way to do it. I mean, that or the yeah. organic happening mm-hmm. in the moment makes for some of the best uh, comedy. I think I, for, I forgot how funny this movie is. Like yeah. it is. Even the which, throwaway which I, lines I, I, I are so guess, funny. And I would guess, like when we're younger as kids, a lot of that stuff went right over our heads. True. But being yeah. older, we can respect some of that comedy a little bit more. Yeah. 
Oh, yeah. it was so oh. good. Well, I think uh, when I was looking up some of the information on behind this movie too, some uh, was it Bravo or something like top one hundred funniest films? Yeah, like somewhere yeah. in the forties no, too. It was. Uh, it's on um, the AFI list of in the in number sixty three in the hundred funny movies list. Oh, is it that? Yeah. Right? Okay, so that was I was twenty some off. But. Yeah. So this film, yeah, fifteen million dollar budget. It makes two hundred and thirty four million dollars in the United States. It's second globally. Um, this could be a pop quiz, I guess, unless you know what LPJ. Is. Pop quiz, hot shot. I don't know. Ask the question. What movie was number one in 1984 globally? Oh, in 84? 84. Globally. Globally. God, it would have to be... You can take a guess, too. Tony, Ghostbusters? Ghostbusters are not a bad guess, but no. no Ghostbusters, Ghostbusters was a little bit lower than Beverly Hills Cop. Yeah. Really? Yeah. J- not Same much, here, but... Um, I wouldn't have thought that. Do you want a little it? hint? It was one of the Indiana Jones movies, was it? Oh, it was was it was it, was it uh, Raiders? No, it was Temple. Yeah, it's Temple of Doom. Oh, okay. Temple of Doom. Oh, yeah, because Raiders is eighty two, eighty one, I think. Eighty one. Okay, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. So that was Temple all going down around that time too, huh? Yep. Wow. Yep, yep. Eighty four is a big year. That sounds like the golden time of eighties cinema. Hey, we love our eighties action movies. We, we really do. <laughs> We've done and a we lot. haven't we haven't even cracked. No, we have not. We haven't even gotten into the really the Jean Claude Van Dams or the uh, the later like eighty six through eighty nine movies. No. The film, which which Tony and I were actually talking about earlier, I, it's nominated for an Oscar, um, best original screenplay. Which I feel like in, the screenplay is pretty straightforward. I mean, I, it's great; it, it it moves the story along and all that. But like to be an original screenplay, I was a little surprised by that. Yeah, especially because a lot of it was improvised. Yeah, that's um, and, and that doesn't count toward the <laughs> screenplay credit. Yeah, right. Uh, and then it did win a Grammy for its soundtrack, which I, I think we want to go ahead and get Absolutely, into some of the yeah. music the here. Mu- the music is solid. I need. I don't have this in my vinyl collection. I need to hunt it down because I love the music in this. And I think that's one of the biggest things in general. I think a lot of people remember Beverly Hills Cop from is the actual music in this film. I would agree with that. It was I mean, huge. That theme the soundtrack is so, was huge. Yeah, the Everybody soundtrack was number one I be- um, well, on the Billboard. Great example. So. I mean. Beverly Hills Top or Beverly Hills Cop Two, maybe a better movie, arguably. I don't remember a single fucking song from that. Oh, you got Bob Seger, man. Shakedown. Oh, in yeah, the very beginning. That. Yeah. When that, the Ferrari comes out from the garage, solid. Oh man, I embarrassed myself. Yeah, that was that's okay. But, no, but you're the right. The third though, one doesn't have a whole no, lot. No, the, there was. I don't even remember music in the third one. But there was right. a Diana Ross song in there. Bob, Bob, the Bob Seger with two. That's right. Yeah. What, what do we want to kick? What do we want to start with here? Let's start. We got to start with the iconic theme. All right. So here is Axel F. <laughs>
so LPJ has a music video uh, on here, and and you said it's weird, but you know what? I think it is a parody. A parody of what? It looks exactly like Billie Jean, the music video for Michael Jackson. Does it? Yes. I actually, I actually think that the actor in that music video is the detective actor in Billie Jean. I think it's the same person. I, I kind of want to do some research on it and see if that's true. You know what? Write a blog about it. You let me know. It looks exactly like it. We're not going to dig into that here. No, we're not going to. But, you know, it, it would be definitely the era. Even in the film, he references Michael Jackson. He does. So that wouldn't surprise me at all. It is still a weird video. Yeah, but it's Michael Jackson sitting on top of the world. Yeah, that's right. So <laughs> I love that scene. <laughs> He's trying to get into the hotel. Oh, he didn't try. <laughs> that's true. He did. So successfully. Gr- great song. It was used on three synthesizers. He probably had one for the percussion beat in the background. Yeah. Had one for the bass beat and then one for the main line. Gotta Easy enough. Sure. Gotta love it the 80s. It must have cost nothing to make that. Oh, th- this. Yeah. That's so. one thing I noticed throughout the movie. I'm thinking I could have done the soundtrack with my with my Fisher Price keyboard. <laughs> <laughs> like it really wasn't too intense. Yeah. I, I had this sweet keyboard called the rap man <laughs> it's great sounds the sweet ca- the casio rap man it came with a mic and it came with this little like bullshit scratch pad thing right but it had all of those sounds in it including the beat like you could hit i don't remember what the beat was called but you could hit it and it would do that exact beat i think you, we, you had, had that, we had the casio yeah. yeah you had that shitty little mini yeah. one too that there's like three buttons the back, for the different yeah the drums. back beats yeah, yeah exactly yep. Uh, Harold Faltermeyer is the one that made the the theme song, which he did another theme song for another movie we've covered on this podcast. Do you know what it is? Uh, I believe he did Top Gun. He did do Top Gun. Good work. So the next song we have here, we're going to jump to the opening song um, when the movie first starts, and that is also Detroit's own Glenn Frey, uh, and the heat is on. Such a great opening song. I love it. The 80s, man, with their action movie opening songs are so solid. Which I did not know until a couple years ago that was Glenn Frey. It sounds nothing like him because he's, you know, one of the lead singers from the Eagles. Um, It just does not sound like him from his Eagles work in the 70s at all. So anyway, that was my music nerd going on there. But Reinventing himself in the 80s. It could be. I don't know. So And he just died last year here in Detroit. Oh, he did? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you don't remember, you didn't hear any of that. Not an Eagles fan, and um, yeah, didn't even realize Glenn Fry was from uh, from Michigan. Really? No idea. Yeah, he's from Metro Detroit. Well, that would be from Michigan. So thank you. You're a jackass. All right, last song we got here is Patty Labelle 
that is doing Stir It Up, which I also think Patty LaBelle's from Michigan. That is correct. Yeah. So here we go. This is him when he's driving around Beverly Hills for the first time. I need the soundtrack so bad. That's a great song. It is a good song. Love it. So there was a song, though, I feel like we were maybe missing from this. Well, there's several songs we're probably missing. Yeah, I mean, do, you whole... want, do you want the stripper dance song? Is that what you're looking for here? Um, <laughs> did it do the sexy girl? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Come on, Phil. <laughs> man, you've changed, <laughs> man. <laughs> nasty girl? Yeah, oh, that's a that's nasty right. girl. You think I'm a nasty girl? <laughs> yeah, I don't think we need that. No, no, no. Well, the, 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 there are others, but we want to get You're probably on thinking on the Pointer Sisters' Neutron Dance. I, that's exactly it. Neutron Dance. I mean, that was with, like I said, iconic to me. Because this is where oh, the Oh, yeah, yeah. This is during the chase. That's damn right. Grabbing gears in the side right now. <laughs> yeah. uh, let's get the fuck out of here. That's, this, is, this was right. my song. <laughs> I don't want to take it anymore. I'll just stay here locked behind the door. We could seriously do the soundtrack <laughs> yes, this entire episode if we wanted to. <laughs> it's so good. It, it's so 80s with the synthesizers. But, it is, but, but that's the totally kind. okay. It is the best oh, yeah. kind of 80s. For sure. You know, set song up, though, too. It's like it almost that, that song at the time maybe had the, the kind of the pulse of Detroit in it. Yeah. You, know, it, it you know, it really did. You're absolutely right. It did. Yeah. You know, there was, there was very... Smart selection with the songs. I feel like they really did kind of. Well, they got Detroit artists with Glenn Fry and Patti LaBelle. Absolutely, they were very smart. So and and even that opening scene, you know, they they actually shot in Detroit. We just talked Man, about that, and you know, I, work, I worked on town. Yeah, so I recognized all of those buildings, what they look like now, because ninety percent of them are either gone or have been completely renovated. Yeah. Um, and, and that whole street has been completely. Well, renovated. I assume is it Michigan Avenue That's for a lot what of it, it? Looks like no, it's Brush Street. It's is it Brush, Brush? It's Brush Street? Yeah. Okay. One of the shots looked like it was definitely 
a main drag though. Could have yeah, been. It was, yeah. Well, what, there's parts of Woodward there, Brush Street's there. Um, I love the smart bus that like has to flip, and you can uh-huh. see on it, it's got 931 oh, yeah. DRQ. Yeah, Did you catch absolutely. that? Yeah. So I mean, clearly you know it's it's legit there. Yeah. And well, and they used they they borrowed the Detroit Police Department vehicles. Yep. Um, they had. Uh, um, I don't, I don't know. Well, Detective Todd. Is, oh yeah, yeah. Uh, we were gonna bring it up. Yeah, yeah Gilbert Hill. Gil. Yeah, Gil Hill. Yeah, yeah. And and as well, I I was reading. Um, so Martin, what did you say his name? Brest. Brest. I was saying it wrong before. Like he wanted to do all these other shots throughout the city, and he was being escorted by the t- Detroit police to do some of the scenes. And at some point, the Detroit police is like, "No, you don't want you don't want to go in that neighborhood." And he's like, "No, no, I do." And so he actually was unescorted in a couple of the scenes where uh-huh. the Detroit cops were like, no, you don't want to film this but, right yeah, now they didn't want to go. in this yeah. place. Your security ends here because it's not safe for us to go in there. Yeah. You're better off by your own. Yep. So going through our cast real quick, even though we've hit a lot of it. I mean, obviously, Eddie Murphy is our Axel Foley. Um, did you notice that the shirt that he was wearing is uh, Mumford, yeah, Mumford High School, High. Uh-huh. which I guess there was a huge demand for Mumford High School t-shirts based on the movie. And, and, oh, and uh, not a pop quiz, but uh, just yesterday there was a shooting there, so heads up. Ooh, that's that's uh-huh. not good. <laughs> no. Judge Reinhold is is Billy Rosewood. Um, and then young. John, young one. Yes, very young. And then John Aston is, is Taggart, Sergeant Taggart. The two of them we actually had to audition together. And kind of similar to what LPJ was saying with the scene the improv. with the super cops, they they had to do an improv together in order to get the part. And Rosewood actually did his conversation in the car where he was talking about the five pounds five pounds That's of red, red meat, meat in the belly, undigested <laughs> red meat in your balls. And apparently that was that was the the line that like got them both on it. So why are you telling me this, Billy? <laughs> so. Well, you eat a lot of red meat. <laughs> So good. I love it. It's, it's <laughs> so good. No, it's, I, my favorite part with the two of them is at the end where he's like, do you know what this makes me think of? You know, Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. It's like those two fucking die in that movie. But he's like, I'm going to fucking kill you. But he but raises his badge up. You're, put down your weapons. You're all under arrest. Yeah. Machine guns going off. Uh, yeah. You do that again, <laughs> I'll shoot you myself. <laughs> so good, love it. Uh, uh, Ronnie Cox is Bogomil. Um, we, we, we haven't seen him as a good guy in a lot of movies. <laughs> no, well, no, because we watch him in our bad. He's the bad guy in your uh, your RoboCop, which is a few years later. Wait, which movie? God, you even have the shirt on. I'm wearing it's my RoboCop shirt. It's got to be another Christ. Detroit favorite, right? That was when that shot downtown. Well, obviously, you I didn't like listen. It. I was going to say, obviously, you didn't listen to that episode because I shot that movie down hard. You d- well, it was like our third episode. He ever. shit on that movie but so hard. But RoboCop, if I'm not mistaken, yes, that was Detroit. Oh yeah. Yeah. yeah, it was Detroit, New Detroit, technically, but Detroit. Yeah. Uh, Stephen Burkoff is Victor Maitland, who is our our villain here. Um, I also know him. He's the villain in Octopussy from the James Bond movie. Oh, Just a year right. before that. Yeah, yeah he's a I'm Soviet. Like, I don't know, yeah, yeah okay. he's a Soviet lieutenant. Um, James Russo is is Mikey Tandino. He seems really familiar, but I couldn't. I couldn't I find don't know anything him from else. Anything. We mentioned Gilbert Hill, who is Inspector Todd, which is awesome because he is a real life detective. Uh, as we mentioned, and he actually ran for for city council. He was the president of city council. Yeah, he was the yeah. president of city council. And actually, Tony, you knew that he did what else? He, he well, he tried to run for mayor mm-hmm. against uh, Kwame. Yep. That, you know, we saw how that all panned out. Yep. But um, but yeah, he started his career in like '82 in Detroit as a homicide 
um, detective and then worked his way through the ranks. So, mm-hmm. you know, I heard somewhere that the, when interviewing him about that movie, because I think he was in two as well. He was in all three. Was he in all three? And that's all he ever did movie-wise. Yep. Okay. So, like, um, very cool for him to step up and kind of do a role, obviously, that I don't think he was necessarily comfortable in. I mean, they asked him to do it and asked him to do more, and he just politely declined. But, you know, I I think I heard that he he cussed more for the movie (laughs) than he actually cussed in uh in real life so he, wait, so wait, he claims but he does right he does such a good job at it i'm like this has to be natural yeah <laughs> it was, he was good he was pretty good at, at the and it's such a short part which is sad but and he has you know the exact same role almost in the second one which is fine sure but. <laughs> yeah he kind of plays that badass boss oh yeah like you know the, the feel the wrath yep yeah, I even wrote down in my notes here, Inspector Todd, so many F-bombs. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So many. Who else well, we got? Uh, Paul Reiser was the last one. Oh, you, wait, just, right. he's the last one? Well, There's one the, more after that. He's the last one that I brought up. All right, well, yeah, so yeah, Paul Reiser, who, yeah. for as short of the part, part as, he, as he has in this, he's great in it. Oh, yeah, for he's sure. He's really good in the second one. Oh, yeah, that's Jeffrey. He's, uh, he's yeah, Jeffrey. Jeffrey, the partner, yeah. Yeah, which I feel like he probably didn't have much of a uh, career before this, did he? This is one of his first movies because he did this and he did uh, Aliens. Yeah, but that's in '86, and then he, yeah. he would do Part Two in '87. Right, but that's so, what I'm saying. Is well, this yeah. is the beginning of yeah, his exactly. Of his he, career. He definitely yeah. had more more part in two, the second one, and he's not in the third one. Yeah. But that's okay. The only other person I had, I'm sorry, was was the girl Lisa uh, Albacher. Was there someone else I missed there? LPG? Well, you're missing you're missing really two important ones. You're missing Bronson Pinchot as Serge. Yeah, who's in Sarge. Sarge. Yeah. Sarge. Who that his whole character is a impersonation of one of the crewmen. Okay, and uh, one of the one of the guys from the crew, and that's what he used to form his character Balky on Perfect Strangers. Um, yes, I knew he was on Perfect Strangers. That's my one of my wife's favorite shows, which I don't understand. Okay. But you also missed uh, Maitland's right hand man, Zach, yeah. Jonathan Banks. Who is? Who's a sweet mobster in this movie? Yeah, well, he's basically a mobster and everything, but he's uh, he's um, Mike Ehrmantraud from Better Call Saul and Breaking Bad. Oh, is he really? Yeah, I haven't gotten that. Oh, you're right, he's bald. Yeah, and he's Damn. he's great, and he's I been nominated just for made like that combination. He's been nominated for Best Supporting Actor Emmys for Breaking Bad and and uh, I just and started Call Saul. season two of Breaking Bad, so I'm God, behind. it's so good. It is so, my wife didn't like it, which I don't understand how she yeah. didn't. But so no, I, I, can I have to watch it on my own. I can't imagine Aaron would like it, but uh, so good. it's so good. Oh, Nick, it's, you're good. gonna like it, Sphinx, Sphinx. You're gonna like it. All right, so running through the plot here a little bit. Um, <laughs> we need to. <laughs> a little bit, even though we're almost forty minutes into this here, but but we've shared a lot already. Um, you know. We talked a lot about the opening scene. I don't think we need to say any more about that. Nope. But we do have um, Axel Foley's friend uh, visits him, uh, Mike, and he shows up with these bearer bonds, which we also brought up in a more recent movie we just did. You remember that? Die Hard. Die Hard, right? Bearer bonds, bearer bonds the in thing. the 80s, which I told you they were like discontinued in the late 70s, but yeah, apparently they were great to use as a... <laughs> as a it's villainous a thing, yeah, as a prop for the most part. Well, that's about all it was good for. I don't even think the, the well, monetary no. value of them were. They no, were like, they were legit. Yeah, well, they were legit, but they were like ten bucks. No, 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 no. Yes, you, you clearly didn't listen to my Die Hard episode because I did my economic research. Yeah, bearer bonds are different from savings bonds. Yeah, they're not funded. They're not done by governments. They're done by businesses, and businesses okay. can put like as a corporate much, bond. Yeah, they can put as much value on them as they want. But the thing is that there's no paper trail. So 
they are actually like they are them. So if you lose it, if you lose it, then you have no paperwork that proves them. So bearer bonds are are using a lot of action movies for villains because in real life you couldn't trace them back. Well, I remember him saying they were untraceable. Yeah, all bearer bonds are untraceable. But That's the whole point. are they worth their face value? Or are yes. they worth yeah. more than face? Oh, no, yeah. worth their face value. So each one of those is worth like a thousand dollars. Yeah, I think in the film it was ten thousand dollars that he. Well, had. that was the bundle. Was that was the bundle that he was, had? It said ten thousand Deutsche Mark. Yeah, they yeah. were German ones. Which was, he but, wasn't German, was he? Or no, he was? No, I think Maitland might Maitland. have been German. He was German? Okay. Yeah. But, but the point, So the, the whole point of this was, yeah. Maitland's a smuggler, he's, sm- he's an art dealer. Right. He's smuggling in drugs and bear bonds, yes. and he's using Jenny's, he's using the art gallery that Jenny... Art, art as gallery a front, as a front. As a front, and Mikey gets a job there as security, because Jenny gets him the job. Yes, it was... Mikey in- steals the bear bonds... Import, export, yep. customs, the whole deal. Yep. And Mikey gets away from Beverly Hills, comes to Detroit to hide. He gets tracked down and killed right in front of af- right in front of Ansel's apartment. In in the apartment. Yeah. Or, yeah, right outside of the door. This is true. He gets shot in the hallway. But yeah. So so from there on, it, it's Axel, you know, wanting to find out why does Buddy get killed? Yes. Yep. He becomes the Beverly Hills cop. Yeah. Pretty much. So so he heads into Beverly Hills in his uh, shitty blue Chevy Nova. So this is where I have an issue with the movie. Just, just how he got it wise. there? How he drove it there in any reasonable amount of time. Yeah. Well, hell, here in California him, would be at least three days. Yeah, probably. In a crappy blue Without Chevy Nova? In a crappy blue Chevy Nova, probably more than that. I'm, I'm not sure. Make it over the Rockies. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. So good. So, but, he, so he ends up I'm trying to remember the whole thing. So he ends up in Beverly Hills. I believe he immediately goes to visit Jenny. and um, Well, he checks in the Beverly Palm Hotel. Does he do that first, or yeah, does he, he go goes, to the art museum no, for, first? First he goes the to the hotel. Museum. You're right. And okay. he checks in, and then he, uh, he, he you know, sneaks his way in, basically. Yeah. Weasels his way in. Yes. Then he goes to check the Rolling Stone out. magazine. Yep. <laughs> yes. Then he goes to check things out uh, with Jenny. Yeah, that's when he meets Serge. Like, yes. get the fuck out of here. No, yeah. I cannot. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> get the fuck out Yeah. Yeah, because he's got that weird-ass ex- art that he said sold for like 100000 or espresso whatever, maybe. with a little lemon twist. <laughs> a little twist of lime. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, he he goes into Victor Maitland's uh, office. He's got the flowers. Um, just like... He gets thrown out of the window, right? So he's like, dude, I was just, you know, I was just here to visit type of deal and all that. Disturbing the peace. Yeah, That was the charges. Exactly. And then the the role of, uh, what's the charge for getting pushed out of a moving car? Jaywalking? (laughs) This is bullshit. Exactly. (laughs) It is very quotable. Oh, for sure. Every line in this. Yeah, and then eventually he just... Follows the trail and 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 unravels the mystery yes. and good old Detroit detective a, work. Yeah, Nothing. and then there's a big shootout at the end oh. at Maitland's place. Big, and big, lots of bullets. Yeah, yep. and that's really you know the, the rest is just kind of details, but uh, it's just a great comedic action shootout at the end. I mean, there's oh, even yes. comedy in the shootout. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, we can go around and kind of share like favorite moments that we have yeah. since we're running short on time, so. I mean, I can go first. The one that, that strikes the most with me from what I remember has got to be the banana in the, pail, in the tailpipe, right? Yeah. Look, man, so when he's, I ain't falling for no banana in the tailpipe. <laughs> yeah. So when he is, um, you know, he's trying to escape from Rosewood and Taggart for the first time, you know, he brings down 
Um, late dinner, sir. Yeah, late supper or whatever it was. And it's late dinner. Yeah, and in, in the meantime, he's shoving the bananas in the tailpipe and winks at the the server yes, there. And shrimp salad sandwich, <laughs> I believe. <laughs> yeah, with the distractor. Exactly. So that's always salad. Yeah, I love just Axel's character is great because he's he's never mean to anybody. No, he's just he's just kind of playful. He's and, a bullshitter. Uh, he's a bullshitter. Yeah, but That's he's, what I love he's about never him. he never does anything maliciously. Even when nope. he's even when he's kind of picking on Taggart and Rosewood, he's not really picking on them. Yeah, he's just kind of he's teasing po- them a yeah, bit. He's poking them. Yeah, just just because it's it's fun. Yeah, yep, yep. Do you have a favorite scene, Tony? Oh, anything geez. that strikes out. Well, I mean, I've, I keep going back to that opening scene, but we'll leave back. We'll, we'll yeah, move past that opening scene. Um, I would have to say, at, towards the very end. Uh, actually, I think this is about the last scene where Bogomil now has to lie through his teeth oh, yeah. about the whole wrap-up of what happens, right? So here's Mr. Straight-Laced by the book, you know, uh, asks Foley if he wants to open charges on Tiger when, you know, he gives him a shot in the gut yeah. under, you know, under questioning. And here he is now getting a bit of that Detroit style brought to Beverly Hills where mm. he's coming up with this plausible to be polite yeah. uh, uh, story that he now has to write a report for and give to his, uh, I guess the chief, Yeah, you know? So, and that, and that's, I think where it ties all the movie together, right? That kind of end scene that now that they're a family, so to speak yeah. after this, they become, you know, friends. But yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, the other scene I really like too is when he's he's snooping around in the import export warehouse, and like he knows he's kind of caught, and he he pretends to be like an inspector or whatever. Hey, you got it's a match? So, yeah. He's like, this fucker gave me a match for Christ's sake. That is funny. <laughs> yeah, you you gave him a match. <laughs> he's like, well, you know, whatever. And the yeah. one guy's like, why are we doing all this? He's like, I bet you that's your porch. Uh, your that's your porch outside, isn't it? <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Just like fucking so, ghosts. I'll have the IRS come up oh. here and climb up your ass with a microscope. <laughs> so good. I, sir, I don't know whose Porsche. That's not my Porsche. I don't know whose Porsche it is. Well, then you have nothing to worry about then. Come, hurry up, quicker. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Faster. So good. So, LBJ, do you have anything else on this before we start to give this? We're ready to give it a ranking or we got something else to go? Well, what we got to do, we're going to do role reversal. Oh, so I forgot reversal. about the role reversal. Oh, okay. Have you heard of Have you? Uh, this, I, I, this one I'm not familiar with. All right, the so Road Reversal is a new segment we're, we're, we're doing where I am going to list the names of some of the actors that either passed on the part or were turned down for the part. Oh, okay. And you just need to tell me if you think the movie would be better or worse. And you can give a why if you want. You don't have to if you don't want to. Okay. All right, so obviously Eddie Murphy's playing Axel Foley. We talked about it earlier. Stallone was up for the role. Yeah. What do you guys think? I think that pass on Stallone. Yeah. I think Stallone doesn't fit as a cop. You know, that just doesn't seem to be his bag. Okay. He, he doesn't fit as a comedian. Like, well, he's no, not it wouldn't funny. have been. Well, well, well been that, remember, he would have turned it into an action movie, mm-hmm. yeah, but, which, yeah, which but, would not have had the same effect. Same thing with this next actor. Mickey Rourke was also offered the part and was on Retainer. Yeah. Mickey Rourke, I'm trying to think of how much of a career he had at this point. I don't think he had much of one, did he? Well, he had this. Yeah, at this point, yes. 
and then it dropped off drastically after oh, this. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because he got big into drugs and all sorts of stuff, didn't he? Yeah, and there was like a motorcycle accident and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Mickey would be just like Stallone. I'd pass on that. Okay. It, it, it's it's tough to think. It's such an iconic role being Axel Foley. It's tough to think of anyone else besides Eddie Murphy well, at this it. point. It's, yeah, you need that improv. You need that, that comic relief. You, it all rolls together. Yeah. Well, speaking of that then, Richard Pryor. Mm-hmm. Mm. Richard Pryor could have probably done a pretty good job. Actually, that's it would have been pretty close with the two of See, them. See, I don't know. I think he would have been able to do the comedy, but not the action. That's it. I, to me, I think it would have been, it would have went goofy. Yeah, instead of goofy. action. You're right. It would have been very silly. Yeah, Eddie Murphy knew when to be serious and when to take on that role. You're right. I don't know if if Pryor would have been able to to handle that so much. All right. So. Also, uh, Harrison Ford was considered. I did see that. Harrison Ford was considered for every movie. He was. He, said, he was. I mean, there's there's another movie that yeah. we've got coming up that, that he was yeah. considered for, too. Yeah. So he, the man just so, struck gold with uh, Indiana, Indiana Jones, Jones and Star Wars and, yeah. and Blade but, Runner at that point and everything if else. If we put him in this movie, it will make money. That's, yeah. Well, that's exactly it. But the other two it would have gone well. The other two that I found kind of surprising were Robert De Niro. I guess if you took on uh, his name that Stallone had, right? Cobretti. Axel, Axel Cobretti. Sure, that could have been De Niro. And then Robin Williams. Robin Williams Keep is This is 1984 pick. Robin Williams. More can Mindy Robin Williams. Uh, you know, that could have maybe worked. It could have. It would have been an interesting movie. It would have. I, I think you, again, I, I think you would have gotten the comedy and certainly the improv portion of it and the bullshitting portion of it. Yeah. But again, the cop part. Like, I don't know I don't about know, that. Though. Robin Williams has done some pretty good serious roles, but later in his career. But not career, until later, right. Yeah. yeah. I It would have been an interesting movie. I'll definitely say that, but, you know, whatever. Yep. Huh? All right, that's all so, I got. I mean, reversal. Well, do we want to do the other segment that I came up with here? Okay. So we have another new segment we'll that we're trying here, and that is, well, for right now, we're calling it Action Backstory. So this is where you have to make up a story um, on something in the movie. So my story is, how did, how do you think Billy Rosewood got his job as a police detective at Beverly Hills? Oh, yeah, because presumably he started as some kind of beat cop. Yep. Although maybe not. Maybe he, maybe he, went, maybe he went to college. And, uh, okay, so here's what happened. Here mm-hmm. we go. I'm Billy Rosewood, I'm in Beverly Hills. I am the son of a politician, a local politician in Beverly Hills. Mm, he looks to, very political he in does. the movie. He does. He looks very waspy. Yeah. Uh, he goes to college, it's like a Beverly Hill, a fancy, a fancy criminal justice school. Yes, he seemed w- uh, well to do. He did. Yeah, he he went to a fancy criminal justice school uh, and got placed. He didn't necessarily earn the spot. He got placed. At the, the Beverly Hills, safest community in the world. Sure, he, he got placed there because that was a it's a good safe community. He's the son of a local politician, um, and it's a it's a it's like a big political speaking point for him to be uh, a detective. That's how he got mm. his role. All right, Tony, you got another story or? Oh, um, no, <laughs> I can share your mind. I think you're all wrong. I think Billy Rosewood showed up to Hollywood to be an actor, 
ended up wanting to to make it big because he mentions Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. I think that was totally what his career he, he wanted was gonna to be. He going to be an actor yep, and then yep. he ended up being a cop? Yep, exactly. And I think he's, he actually isn't like a real cop. He just like showed up one day and like there he is. Because there's so many scenes in the movie he just looks so silly and dumb. Like I have no idea what just to do here. Pr- pretty, or I don't know how the law actually functions. I think he's like not even a real cop here. Just I think he's just playing pretty one. Pretty boy cop? Yep. I think that's exactly what happens to Billy Rosewood. I don't know about that. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh, all right. Well, we're going to go ahead and rate this guy. Alrighty. So we do a five machine gun scale. You can do halves. You can do halves. Uh, you can choose to go first if you'd like, or you oh. can defer to us. Well, I, I'll start it off. I will say four and a half. Okay. Any... Particular reasons why you like that yeah, number? Or? Four and a half because I feel that it was a it was a great film, but the 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 half because well, it it could have been better. I felt like the story was a little weak, but um, yeah, yeah, got a nomination for best I know, original I, screenplay. I can't I can't see <laughs> I how the hell that happened. I like don't know either. somebody was you know connected <laughs> to the top something. Uh, you know the Me Too movement, maybe I'm not sure. <laughs> well, I don't think that was a little early for that. Yeah, a little and early I don't know what for this that. movie would have to do with Me Too. <laughs> well, it, that's what I'm saying. I think it was the beginning of it. Oh, someone oh, someone okay. had dirt back in the '80s on it. I like, see. there's no way it was that good, but maybe Me Too could have made it. I don't yeah. know. All, all written by men. It, yeah. This movie. Yeah. Produced by uh, Brookheimer. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, tough to I'm say poking that. holes in your little scheme here. Damn yeah. it. I will, I will support your four and a half, though. All right. Thank so you. So I also will rate this a four and a half. Um, I smiled the entire time I watched this movie. I forgot how funny it is. I forgot how great the interactions between Eddie Murphy and all the other actors are in this. I mean, even his interactions with Maitland are pretty great. Mm-hmm. Um, the whole movie is super enjoyable. It's... I could watch it over. I have watched it over and over again. Uh, and there's great action in it. The only thing, the only reason why I wouldn't give it a five is because there's there really the most action is right at the very end. Yeah. Like, and, and there's really not action throughout. It's more of a comedy. Yeah. My, my wife watched it yesterday for the first time. And oh, it's the first time she's seen it. Yes. Yeah, first time she's seen it. And she's like, this is kind of moving a little slow. And I'm like, oh. well, I don't think you're appreciating it because if you were more. Uh, in the moment watching it, I feel that you would... Well, she doesn't have the nostalgia that you have either. And I think that's the so, other part. That's, and, that's why I'm also... Again, yeah. that's why I would drop it just because of the nostalgia for me yeah. also. But I, 100% four, four and a half for me. Okay. I'm, I'm going to go slightly lower. I'm going to give it a four. Um, I wish there was more to the story, as we've all mentioned. Um, I had mentioned, too, how after re-watching it, I wish there was more interaction with Axel... And, and Rosewood and Taggart. It just seemed a little bit too um, convenient that they were willing to work and help him out so quickly. Um, that I, I wish there was a little bit more there. I wish there was even more on, on Victor Maitland himself. I feel like he could have been a pretty sweet bad guy. And for most... Actually, I heard that the actor doesn't really like himself in this movie at all. I saw that. I feel like there could have been more of him within the film as well. Like, he could have done more to be kind of more badass. Because really, 
as the villain, I mean, he he holds Jenny hostage at the end. That's only the real action he has. You really don't have much backstory on any of the characters. No, right? It's, no, there isn't. So that's what I would like to see more. And I think, too, like with us being an action podcast, you're right. There was a little bit less action than I remembered. Um, you know, besides, I mean, it's an awesome scene at the end when, the, when they're infiltrating uh, Victor's house. But, you know, definitely action movie-wise, could have seen a little bit more. Yeah, the last but, 15 minutes was the action. And and the first five. Yeah, I mean... <laughs> yeah, the first five, definitely. Yeah, because even, like, I thought... I was, I think I was combining it with Beverly Hills Cop 2 mm-hmm. with the car chases, because Beverly Hills Cop 2 has some amazing well, the, car chases. The, the cement truck. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Kid Rock <laughs> is doing parking cars at the Playboy Mansion. Yep. Yeah. And and even when Rosewood's driving in the second one, you know, I, I think Eddie Murphy's like, "Are you are your eyes open or are you using the force?" Like, there's just a lot more yeah. to that kind do, of do side the, of do it. Do the brakes work? I don't know. I haven't tried them yet. <laughs> yeah. So I think that that's maybe a little bit. I think I was combining a little bit too much with the second one. So that's why I'm going to knock this one down a little bit more to a four. All right, fair enough. Keeping us so, grounded, but still, regardless, great movie. Definitely, oh, yeah. Yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Yep. Enjoyable. Yep. Yeah, and we've all seen it several times, so we, we know how much we love this thing. Yep. All right. So, all right. We've got to do some business here. So, yeah. Last right. Action Podcast is part of the Gamezilla Media Network, where we have five podcasts weekly that you can be listening to. On Mondays, we come out. Um, now available on Spotify, which is very exciting. Woohoo. Um, on Tuesdays is our flagship show, GameZilla Podcast, where they look at um, current news and, and events going on with video games. Uh, Wednesdays, we've got Noobs and Dragons, where we've got Craig WK leading a Dungeons and Jag- uh, Dragons group. Thursday, we've got Legend of Retro, which is looking at reviewing old video games. And then Friday, we have the Movie Blast with uh, Bob and Bax. So we've got some great podcasts for everyone to enjoy and listen to. On top of that, we've got our streamers online that you can watch on Twitch. Craig WK has got some long plays on YouTube. And uh, I know Legend of Retro has also been adding a bunch of other videos on YouTube as well that people can watch. Uh, We have our blogs, which I frequently write blogs uh, for the website as well. There is plenty for you to do on Games of the Media. And if you're thinking, you know what? Maybe I want to help these guys out a little bit more. We would love for you to go on to patreon.com slash media and uh, feel free to throw, toss a couple dollars our way. It'd be fantastic. We start as low as $1 a month. It uh, allows us to keep things running and, and operating smoothly. And we also offer a monthly special on Patreon as well. And our other shows also offer all sorts of other um, special perks on Patreon as well when you're a member. Yep, extra episodes, all kinds of different things. Yeah. Uh, we also want to thank everybody who participated in our Gamers for Giving event. Um, yeah. This past December, uh, we, we raised a bunch of money to help CS Mott Children Ho- Children's Hospital build uh, uh, a g- mobile gaming cart. It's called a go-kart that, uh, allowed, um, that will allow children undergoing treatments there to kind of take their mind off of things and, and play play some video games and really um, hopefully make their, their time there a little bit more enjoyable. So we want to thank everybody who donated and who participated. Uh, your, your help in this is, I, I can't thank you guys enough. Um, we got, absolutely. We got more support than we even expected. Yeah. Uh, so thank every, Thank you everybody for, for participating in that. Yeah. And then finally, you know, please feel free to, uh, to like us and, and favorite us and write us reviews on social media. 
whether that's Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, uh, or even the Discord, which you can get access to on our website, gamesofthemedia.com. So, Tony, I would like to say thank you so much for for being our guest and bringing this movie on. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I've been thinking about this movie for a while for wanting to do it. Same here. um, you know, I thought you'd be a perfect fit well, to, to be here with us. Maybe so. we'll follow it up with the two someday Ooh. down the road. For uh, sure. Yeah. Uh, we're definitely going to do it. <laughs> it's just a matter of when. All right. That's for sure. Yep. So with that, LPJ, this podcast has been terminated. But we'll be back. <laughs>